0: You guys always ask me about how to eat with Hashimoto's, hypothyroidism. You know that I love low-carb eating and that I'm going to be speaking at KetoCon with my guest on this podcast, Ben Azadi, who is a king in the keto space. Him and I share the same thought processes about how to do keto the right way through keto cycling. I call it keto for the week but we both share that same thought process that keto doesn't have to be hard, low carb eating. If keto makes you feel like a deer in the headlights, let me rephrase it. Low carb eating really does help with inflammation. It helps lower insulin. Many of you have insulin resistance with hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's. I made Hormone Fixer for you to get more of that GSD hormone. You want adequate levels of testosterone in order to have motivation, in order to burn fat, in order to build sexy lean muscle that is not only going to make you better at burning fat every single day, it's also going to protect you. It's going to protect you as you age. It's going to protect your bones. You want sexy lean muscle in order to have a metabolism. So get some hormone fixer. Start taking it and just enjoy the benefits. What we have been hearing from the community of people taking it, improved energy, improved strength. They're seeing their muscles pop out and look amazing when they're working out. They're getting that pump. They're having a libido. They actually want to have sex again. You cannot go wrong with Hormone Fixer. It increases your growth hormone. It increases your testosterone. The cystis quadrangulus and it helps your bones. The tonkatoly helps keep your sex hormone binding globulin low, which we want that as well. So it's not bound up to our thyroid hormones and testosterone. Try the Hormone Fixer. Trust me, it's going to change your world. Keto does so, so much. And like I always say, if you look, go to PubMed, go to Google Scholar and type in keto and or low carb ketogenic diet and any disease. I don't care if it's cancer, Alzheimer's, type 2 diabetes, insulin resistance, autism, anything having to do with the brain because keto helps the brain so, so much. It really, really, really does help. So I want you to listen to this episode. I want you to hear Ben get into the details, the nitty gritty about how keto can help you. Now you have to cycle it, get to flex it, just like Ben says in his keto camp. But if you do it, if you implement it the right way, you can make some huge changes in your life, huge changes with your health. And I know a lot of you are like, I already did keto and it didn't work for me. I hear that all the time. Well, you probably didn't do it right because keto is the one low carb eating keto is the one diet that you can royally F up. You really can. Bottom line, you can do too much fat. You can do dirty keto. You cannot have a higher carb day. So just keep an open mind, even if you have tried low carb eating before, because I'm telling you. If you have insulin resistance, it's a no-brainer. You have to do low-carb. You have to. There's no question whatsoever. And if you have hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's and you're totally inflamed, this also might be a really good idea. Hey, everyone, and welcome back. Thank you for joining me. We are coming to you. We are giving our time today, myself and my very special guest, who I am so excited to have on. Let me tell you about him first, and then we'll get into the nitty gritty of the conversation. So, this is Ben Azadi. And in 2008, Ben went through a personal health transformation, like so many of us do, but he shed 80 pounds of pure fat, which is unbelievable. Ever since, Ben has been on a mission to help 1 billion people live a healthier lifestyle. He's the author of four best selling books, Keto Flex which I freaking love the title of. We're going to dive into that. The Perfect Health Booklet, the Intermittent Fasting Cheat Sheet, and the Power of Sleep, which we uh, just, yeah, we get into that a lot on this podcast. So Ben has the go-to source for intermittent fasting and the ketogenic diet. He is known as the health detective because he investigates dysfunction and he educates, not medicates, to bring the body back to normal function. Ben is the founder of Keto Camp, a global brand bringing awareness to ancient healing strategies such as the keto diet and fasting, which I both love. Ben is the host of a top 15 podcast, the Keto Camp podcast, and the fast-growing Keto Camp YouTube channel with over 125 1,000 subscribers, actually, I think you're up to 130 now, Ben. Thank you so much for joining me on the Thyroid Fixer podcast.
1: Amy, I'm grateful to be here. I love your work, love what you're doing, so it's an absolute honor to be here with you and your amazing listeners and watchers.
0: Thank you, thank you. So, I'm just going to start off. I say a lot of the things that you say. We, we are in agreement, we are in alignment on so many things, but I want my listeners to hear it come from your mouth. So I might be asking you some questions today that I already know my take on it, but I want to get your take. And I know your take is going to be very, very similar. And let's drive this point home to so many people, so many of my listeners that are still a little skeptical. And they maybe they tried keto and it didn't work. Maybe they did it wrong. Maybe they had a you know best friend whose cholesterol went up with keto. So let's just get down and dirty, especially keto and the thyroid, and let's have a great, great discussion. My first question for you, my very first question for you, is what do you think about the people that say hypothyroid patients should not do keto? Can we start there and then we can actually kind of work backwards and get into more of what is keto, what's the benefits, all that good stuff?
1: Well, I would say that whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. It's really a mindset thing. Uh, That goes for everything, but I've actually seen ketosis being in ketosis be a valuable tool it's one tool but it's a very valuable powerful tool even for hypothyroidism or even hyperthyroidism and the reason is because of one word inflammation i mean if you could find a way to reduce inflammation that could only help your specific condition it's not the only thing you're going to do of course there's going to be other things that you learn from dr amy but ketones are super powerful when you do keto the right way it is a great way to reduce cellular inflammation. And just to kind of revisit the body real quick, we know there's about 50 to 70 trillion cells inside of the human body. And then on every single cell, you have these receptor sites called integral membrane proteins. Think of these receptor sites as an antenna signal. The job of an antenna signal is to receive communication and then perform a specific job. The job of your uh, receptor sites is to receive communication and to perform a specific job. It's receiving communication from your hormones, including your thyroid hormone, T3. And what blocks it and what creates dysfunction is inflammation. It's like if I had my fingers in my ears or better yet, if I hit mute here on my mic and I'm talking to you, Amy, you'd be like, what is Ben saying? I'd be frustrated, you'd be frustrated, there's gonna be dysfunction because of this blockage. That's what inflammation is doing. Going back to keto now, when you do keto the right way for the right amount of time and you flex in and out, it is such a powerful way to downregulate cellular inflammation. So now those receptor sites for the T3 thyroid hormone are more sensitive. It's like me hitting the unmute button and actually the communication is now being received. So it could be a powerful way to actually achieve um, great results, even with an underactive thyroid
0: hmm Thank you. And I didn't even pay you to say that. Like that just came right out It's true. <laughs> and that just flowed. And oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. And that just sets the stage, right? Because a lot of people tuning in, they already have it in their mind because they read it on Facebook or they read a blog or they read some anti-keto post of how you shouldn't do it if you have hypothyroidism. And I'm always going against that because of just exactly what you said, that inflammatory aspect. We talk a lot about reverse T3 here. So if reverse T3 goes up, it's very similar to what you said. It's going to block the cell from receiving T3. And that can come from what you're eating in addition to all the other things that we talk about that can can push up reverse T3. But what you put in your body is a huge component of that. So Ben, you lost 80 pounds of your own body fat. How, tell us, I'm kind of backtracking now. I want to hear your story. I wanted to set the stage with the thyroid and keto. So we're going to come back to that, but what, what is your story? How did you, how'd you get here in this space? How'd you lose 80 pounds?
1: Yeah. I'm somebody who followed a standard American diet. Like a lot of people do. And we know it's really a stupid American diet. It's really processed foods, toxic, high carbohydrates, And that was my life, you know, growing up here in beautiful Miami Beach, Florida, uh, left to my own devices. Parents were divorced. My mom actually worked at Kentucky Fried Chicken, two of them, as a matter of fact. So you better believe she brought me home Mm -hmm. many nights, Kentucky Fried Chicken. She did the best she can with her resources. So I ate the Kentucky Fried Chicken. I became addicted to sugar and alcohol Mm -hmm. and drugs and a toxic environment. So that showed with my physical appearance. Uh, As a kid, I was obese. I was bullied. I was picked on. And that went into my adulthood, where I found myself back in 2008 being an obese man at 250 pounds, physically obese, but also mentally obese, broken, broken, lost in life, depressed, and even suicidal at that point. And I knew I needed to make a change. I didn't have the energy to do the things I wanted to do. I had lower back pain, knee pain, inflammation, uh, gut issues. Something had to change. So the change was me changing my nutrition, exercising more, taking responsibility, which is actually the first thing that I did. And the first thing that we should all do is take responsibility. That word responsibility is your ability to respond to life. Up until that point, my ability to respond to life was really poor. I was blaming my genetics. I was blaming my enabling family members. I was blaming my slow metabolism. And I was the victim of my history But after taking responsibility, I became the victor of my destiny, and I started to actually take ownership. Nine months from that moment of taking responsibility, I went from 250 pounds down to 170, uh, size 38 in my waist, in my pants to size 30, 34% body fat down to 6% body fat. So finally, I carved out this this physical transformation and a physical six-pack. But the most important thing I believe I achieved was a mental six pack. I started to think better thoughts. I started to realize how important those thoughts were. And that's what got me started into the health space. Uh, uh, from then on, I became a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. I opened up a CrossFit gym, sold the CrossFit gym, then get, got certified as a functional health practitioner. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, here at Keto Camp, we're on a mission to educate and to inspire a billion people, like you said, because the human body is incredible. And I believe... There's really three main things that we need to follow in order to heal the body, whether it's a thyroid issue or diabetes or even a cancer scare. And those three things, simple on paper, but we'll talk a little bit more in depth on how to achieve it. Uh, The three things are, number one, identify the interference, what is interfering with this amazing innate intelligence. Number two, work on removing the interference. And then number three, allow your incredible body to heal itself. So for me, I primarily teach ketosis and fasting and and ancient healing strategies on how to achieve that. And that's the mission to get the the word out to as many people as possible.
0: So can you give us an example of when you say interference, what would that be?
1: Yeah, so back to the conversation in the beginning, inflammation, Mm -hmm. Uh, inflammation is big interference, eating every two to three hours, that's interference, high glucose levels, that's interference, Mm -hmm. heavy metal toxicity, that's interference, mold toxicity, I mean, toxic thoughts, Lack of sleep. There's so many things that we're taking hits on. And if you think about the world's greatest athletes, uh, some that come to mind right now, Tom Brady, right? Who plays for the Buccaneers, played for the Patriots for a long time. Yep. Uh, Dwayne Wade, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan. What do they all have in common? They, what they did towards the second half of their career, they changed their game to take less hits, which extended their career. So they stopped driving through the basket as much. Tom Brady stayed in the pocket. And it extended their lifespan. So we need to take less hits. We need to identify the hits that we're taking, and take less of those hits, and it'll extend our lifespan. So there's a lot of things right now that's interfering with this amazing human body.
0: Well, well put, very well put, and and a lot of it can come down to our own choices. So like you said, the the standard American diet, right? If we are putting food into our body that creates inflammation. And I'm always talking about insulin and insulin resistance on this podcast because I I see insulin resistance 99% of the time when I'm working with someone with hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's. It's always there because we know the thyroid's the master. It starts dysregulating the insulin signaling. And then when you add on top of that, what the person is eating, you just have a huge ball of inflammation happening because the insulin in and of itself, is inflammatory. We need it to survive. Yeah. But I always say the fastest way to age is jack up your insulin over and over again. And you'll you'll die of cancer or neurological disease and you'll die fat and early because that's what's going to create enough inflammation to have your body shut down. Yep. So in your practice, then, do you see a lot of, because you deal with a lot of insulin resistance, do you also see a lot of hypothyroidism paired up with that?
1: Oh, totally. I mean, the the thyroid is the canary in the coal mine, right? It's like the first thing to actually start becoming problematic. Um, Insulin, to your point, is that bully of the block. And we're not designed to spike insulin throughout the entire day like the average American is doing. Insulin is amazing. I mean, it's a survival mechanism. We wouldn't exist today if we didn't have the ability to produce insulin. Look at type one diabetics before they invented insulin, they would wither away. But the problem is when you call that bully into the playground, then all of your fat-burning hormones are scattered, inflammation goes up, and the thyroid will begin to dysfunction because of the inflammation, partly, but other reasons as well. And yes, it's it's so common. I think it's estimated that 88% of Americans have some sort of metabolic inflexibility, insulin resistance. I mean, how, it takes 15, 20 years for your uh, allopathic doctor to tell you you have insulin resistance, but that could be developing for such a long time. And it's the same thing with the thyroid right it takes several years and standard care is oh let's look at your tsh maybe we'll look at t3 but what about the full picture what about looking at the full thyroid panel like you do amy what about looking at your fasting insulin i mean how many doctors run that that's where actually keto and fasting are so powerful because it does a great job at lowering insulin reducing inflammation and actually healing the body including the thyroid as well
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's exactly it. And you're right. It's such a beautiful back and forth because we we see, okay, the thyroid gets dysregulated and starts throwing off insulin signaling. But just like you said, then it goes back. So then you have high insulin, which is producing inflammation, downregulating thyroid function. So it's a well, it could be called an ugly back and forth because it yeah. really sets the person up to feel horrible and to walk around with all of those symptoms of weight gain and fatigue and hair loss and low libido. Now, do you see insulin affecting hormones as well?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the best ways to know if you have something going on with your hormones, skip a meal and see how you feel. <laughs> That's one of the easiest tests you can do. And I'll tell you this, most people will say, what do you talk? Skip a meal. I'll go hypoglycemic. I'll get hangry or Dave Asprey actually calls it Uh, or hypoglybitchy is what he says. (laughs) (laughs) I like Uh, it. That's a great test right there. And that's because you don't have metabolic flexibility and your your metabolism is broken. Uh, But the great news is that you could fix that fairly Mm -hmm. soon as well. So yes, uh, insulin is going to bully the other hormones. It is a strong hormone it will uh, create inflammation it'll bully the thyroid it'll bully your fat burning hormones it's going to be impossible to lose the weight you want to lose if you're keeping insulin up it's the only fat storage hormone in the body i mean there's over 600 hormones that we know of but only one of them store fat and that hormone is insulin so we want to make sure we dial down the insulin not all the time but most of the time so the body could begin to heal itself
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I love you terming it as a bully, because that's exactly it. And it is the fat storage hormone. I say that over and over again, it's needed for life. Like you said, in the case of a type one diabetic, we need insulin for them to survive, or they will wither and die without insulin. So it's needed for life. But in excess, it's like a Jekyll and Hyde, Mm -hmm. it becomes this angry bully, like you said, and just starts storing fat on your body left and right, just storing fat.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, if we could just understand that point right there, and that's what keto can do for you. Keto could lower you. When you think about the three macronutrients, fat, carbs, and protein, Mm -hmm. which one spikes insulin the most? Of course, carbohydrates. And no, not all carbs are created equal, but they all will spike insulin. Protein will give you an insulin spike, but it's what's called a phase two less than a phase one from carbs and fat barely touches the dial on in insulin. Take a shot of olive oil. There's no insulin response. So that's why ketogenic lifestyle and fasting can be so powerful.
0: So let's say you you have a person that comes to you, they're brand new, they have a thyroid problem, they have a hormone problem. They say to you, as, as we stated in your bio, I want to do this without medication. Mm -hmm. So you know that their thyroid is off because of high inflammation, you're looking what they're eating standard American diet, you can see their fasting insulin is elevated if they're lucky enough to get it on a test, or if you tell them, hey, go get fasting insulin. So you know what's going on, where do you start them? Where do you start a newbie in this education process? You don't have to give away your farm because I love your, your program, we're going to send people there. But kind of give us some nuggets of where you would start them.
1: Well, the first step is to get them fat adapted instead of instead of being a sugar burner. Uh, if they're open to it and have the resources, of course, I'd love to run a lot of lab work on them with full thyroid panel, mm-hmm. including the antibodies to see if it's uh, you know an autoimmune thing going on. Uh, that reverse T3 that you mentioned earlier is important to look at. That's indicator yep. of high stress and that could be mental emotional stress, physical stress, or even like a toxicity component. Like we know that silver fillings, mercury and fillings has an affinity for the thyroid. It wrecks it. Yep. So I'd ask these questions. Do you have silver fillings? Have you ever had silver fillings? Did your mom have silver fillings when she gave birth to you? Get a health history. And then I'd get them fat adapted to start. And that, that simply means when we think about the 70 trillion cells in the body, we could only burn sugar, glucose, or fat and ketones. Most people are burning sugar, which is highly oxidative and inflammatory. It creates a lot of cellular smoke, if you will. Cells produce energy, creates toxins. Same way if I burn firewood and produce toxins in my room here. So when you're burning sugar all the time, it creates a lot of toxins. I compare that to a, a truck that's speeding through your streets with all this smoke being blasted out of the exhaust pipe of that truck. The truck is not going to be healthy for the surrounding environment while it's not healthy for your cellular environment. So we want to switch fuel sources and burn fat, which is a more efficient, clean source of fuel, than I compare to a Tesla. That Tesla is much better for the environment versus the truck.
0: Okay. I am hearing you. I am hearing your frustration and I was in your shoes. So I totally get it. You are tired of the doctor jumping. You are tired of being medically gaslit. You are sick of being told that you're normal. When you know that your body is rebelling against you, you know, that the weight gain and the fatigue and the hair loss and the low libido and the dry skin is not you. That's not how you were years ago. That's not how your body was meant to be. And that's not how you want to live the rest of your life. So I'm going to invite you to work with me and my team. We can prescribe in all 50 states, including many provinces in Canada. So we got you covered there in the thyroid and the hormone department. We have you covered. Yes, we use bioidentical hormones only. None of that synthetic garbage And we fix you. We bring you to that optimized state where you can live with me in optimization land, where you have actual energy to get through your day. I swear you're not going to be looking at the couch at 2 p.m. wondering how quick you can take a nap. You will lose weight. You won't gain weight every time you go out to eat or look sideways at a brownie. We will get you to that optimized state. So I'm going to invite you to book an application call, and this is where you are going to go over everything, your health journey and all the different things you've tried and your frustrations. You're going to go over that with my team, and we will put you into the program that fits you the best. If you need prescriptions, we have you covered. So go ahead and click the book a call link in the show notes I promise we will take good care of you. You can stop the doctor jumping once and for all. Stop wasting money on BS programs. Stop buying programs off of Instagram. People, I know you. I see you. (laughs) I know what you're doing. Looking for answers. We can fix you.
1: So how do you do that? I'm going to make a bold claim here, Amy, for your audience. Mm -hmm. I could get 98% of people fat adapted in seven days with two steps. And I'm gonna share those two steps right now. The first step, uh, find out how many carbs you're eating right now. Don't make any changes yet. Grab like a, a free calculator, a free app out there. There are several out there, just go on Dr. Google, but find out how many total carbohydrates you're having on a current day before any changes. The average American is having three to f- uh, 400 car- car- grams of carbs per day. So once you determine that, the first step, is to gradually start decreasing those carbs every single day. So if you're having 300 grams of carbs a day, on day one, take it to 250. On day two, take it to 200. And keep doing that until you eventually, within those seven days, get your total carbohydrate intake below 50 grams. I do recommend this gradual approach versus 300 down to 50 because that'll create uh, symptoms. So a gradual approach. That's the first step. The second step goes in line with the first step. You do it at the same time, but it's what's called the two, 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 two rule that I talk about in my book, Keto Flex. I got this from my mentor, Dr. Daniel Pampa. So oh, the, yeah. you know, Dr. Pampa.
0: I worked with Dr. Pampa 25 years ago. No we way. Yeah. yeah, small world. Yes, you, I know him very doctor,
1: well. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's all. Yeah, he's my mentor. I love, he changed yeah. my life. So yeah, uh, pretty cool. So he developed this rule I wrote about in the book. So every single day you want to consume Two tablespoons of olive oil or avocado oil, two tablespoons of coconut oil or MCT oil, two tablespoons of grass fed butter or grass fed ghee, and then two teaspoons, teaspoons, not tablespoons of sea salt. You hit that 2222 two, two, two rule, gradually decrease your carbs, and in seven days, you're going to be in the great land of ketosis. Now you're fat adapted, burning fat instead of sugar
0: thank you for sharing that. That is beautiful and simple. So yep. beautiful and simple. Now I'm going to be devil's advocate and mm-hmm. I'm going to come to you with what I hear from my patients. But then I, I dropped my carbs in the past and I just, I didn't feel right at all. I got so nauseous and I didn't lose any fat whatsoever. And then my doctor told me I better not do keto.
1: Mm. Yeah. I hear that a lot. I'm mm-hmm. glad you brought that up. So yeah, a lot of people struggle on keto because they can't break down the fat, and the reason they can't break down the fat is because they have thick, sluggish bile. Uh, the liver, the soccer mom organ, liver does everything for us, and we beat her up from medications and alcohol and toxins and processed carbs. And when you start increasing the fats, like the two, 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 two rule, and you can't break down the fats, you feel awful, and it actually can make you feel worse. So the solution is to increase your bitters, bitter for the liver. Uh, And I talk about this in the book, but having more bitters, especially right when you start keto will make a big difference to thin the bile and that bile acts as a detergent to start breaking down the fat and it has a detoxification component. So my favorite bitters, apple cider vinegar is a a keto powerhouse because not only is it a bitter, right, Amy, it also could regulate glucose. I like arugula, dandelion greens, dandelion tea, ginger, ginger tea, milk, thistle tea, lemons and lime. So get the bitters up. Keep the electrolytes up uh, and don't focus on the the weight loss in the beginning. Focus on non-scale victories. Focus on your energy levels improving. Maybe you get your body fat percentage done, how your clothes are fitting. The number on the scale will fluctuate for so many reasons. And don't let that discourage you to think that your approach is not working. Get some lab work done. Look at your inflammatory markers. These are much more important. As the body gets healthy, it'll start to release that fat and you'll lose that fat, but we don't lose weight to get healthy. We get healthy to lose weight. So the bitters are going to be key for that.
0: And they're cheap. I mean, everything that you said is not a $70 supplement that you have to go get. Exactly. I mean, yeah, it's easy to do. Okay, so now let's say it's, we'll give it three, four weeks in. And now then I'm still not losing weight. So what am I doing wrong? What is the main thing that you see people doing wrong when they first start off on keto?
1: They haven't built a strong foundation of health. Uh, and that starts with sleep. Uh, sleep mm. is you mentioned it earlier. Sleep is so important. Your body is detoxifying, your brain is detoxifying, you're 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 actually burning fat during sleep. So if you're not getting quality sleep, and I, I categorize that as at least seven hours of uh quality sleep, getting enough deep sleep and REM sleep, it's going to be very difficult to lose that weight. So revisit the fundamentals, make sure your sleep is good. Also, make sure your mental emotional stress is good. I mean, we live in an interesting world right now. A lot of people are dealing with mental emotional stress. Mm -hmm. You've got to master that stress in order to heal your body, especially when we think about self-love. It's kind of a woo-woo topic, but it's so important. My, my colleague, Dr. Will Cole, who's also in Pittsburgh, by yeah, the way. Yeah, that's
0: Bill's, uh, Bill's son. Exactly. I worked yeah. work with Bill Cole and Dan Pompa together. I yeah. love
1: it. I love that. I didn't even realize that. So Will Cole said, um, you cannot heal a body that you hate. And I agree with that 100%. And I take that a, a, a even more f- farther. And I, I would say, you cannot heal a body that has any hate. It's those toxic thoughts. It's, it's so imperative to think loving, abundant thoughts. I know it sounds woo-woo, but Dr. Bruce Lipton has shown your thoughts will create specific proteins that are inflammatory or not. So I would revisit the fundamental sleep, also movement, uh, making sure that's down pat. And if you're still not losing weight, then you might need to start incorporating a change by implementing fasting and different fasting schedules.
0: Okay, so I'm glad you you transitioned us into fasting now. So we talk keto. I I do want to talk fasting. And we'll call... I got to call him out. He stole my idea and named it before I had a chance to. But I'm at 100% agreement, intuitive, Ah, fasting. I have been telling my people for years. I love that. Years. I've been telling them. You know what? If you're not hungry in the morning, don't eat. And guess what? If you are hungry, maybe it's just, you know, one day out of the week and whatever, you're just randomly hungry, then you know what? eat. And it's that simple. Listen to your body. So give me your take on fasting and how to incorporate it in. And is it good or bad for people with hypothyroidism?
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that you share that. I agree. You know, intuitive fasting is important. Uh, listen to your body, develop that intuition. That's very, very important. You can do fasting with with uh, hypothyroidism because it's going to help you reduce inflammation and clear out some junk as long as You're making sure that you're feasting when you eat and not cheating, but feasting and eating enough when you are eating to support the thyroid. And then we'll talk about like keto flexing and all that. But Mm -hmm. one of the best ways to um, begin fasting is with 12 hours. Very simple. Done eating at 7 p.m., waiting until 7 a.m. the next morning, 12 hour fast. And then you kind of build that fasting muscle by maybe pushing out your breakfast an hour and then two hours or bumping down your dinner an hour and two hours, whatever you feel is better for your schedule. But I like an 18-6 schedule for most people, meaning 18 hours in the fasted state, having water, sea salt, electrolytes, maybe coffee and tea. And then you have a six hour eating window with two meals, ideally keto friendly meals on most days. So I like an 18-6. And then of course there's different variations, but that's a great start and it's a sustainable approach as well.
0: Totally sustainable. And- You know, I always tell people, uh, listen, there are going to be days where you are just more hungry than others. And and if you're doing keto properly, then, and it's not a matter of, oh, you just jacked up your blood sugar yesterday with, with, you know, burgers and pasta and ice cream, and now you're hungry the next morning, duh, of course that's going to happen. But if you wake up and you are, you know, just one of those days where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm just, I'm hungry today. I don't know if I can fast. The big thing that I tell thyroid patients, and you can let me know if you agree, Ben, is your cortisol levels are Im- imperative to T3 function. So T3 needs cortisol, cortisol needs T3. If your body, maybe you, maybe you are stressed out. Maybe you didn't sleep well. Maybe today is not a day too fast. Do you break out of that type A personality of, I said I was going to do eighteen six today, and I'm doing eighteen six today, no matter what. You have to kind of break out of that and allow yourself some grace to eat that day because there's mm-hmm. always tomorrow.
1: Mm-hmm. No, hundred percent agree. I love that. I I say the same thing. If you're stressed out didn't get a good night of sleep, or you're just stressed out from work, it's probably not a good idea for you to fast longer than maybe 12 or 14 hours. Fasting is already a stressor, stressed out for something else, your body can't adapt to it, and then you get negative effects, that cortisol. So I agree 100%. You got to really match the fasting with how well you are at managing your stress and how good you are at getting sleep. Now, if it's a great day, you slept rock solid, your stress is under control, then you might do a longer fast, right? You listen to your body and see how you feel. But I 100% agree. You shouldn't do a lot of fasting if you're already stressed out.
0: Mm-hmm. So do you have any fasting rules, let's say, for women versus men, for hypothyroid patients that are just starting off to heal? Any any specific rules for them?
1: Yeah, for women who have a monthly cycle, um, mm-hmm. the seven days before their period is when I don't want them to do much fasting or even be in ketosis. Uh, they need to build progesterone to help with that monthly cycle. And mm-hmm. fasting does not help build progesterone, but eating does. So that's when I like more of a paleo higher carb approach and less fasting. And that goes for somebody who has a thyroid condition or not. But the menstrual cycle, the seven days before, is important not to do much fasting or even a lot of keto. Now, once the cycle hits, that bleed week, that's when you can be more aggressive and do more fasting, more uh, ketosis. So that's just a general rule of thumb that I that I share.
0: Oh, that's a good one. I haven't heard that yet. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you have a book called Keto Flex. Yes. I always tell my patients do keto for the week and come out on the weekends. Again, not with a cheat. We're not talking about go out and eat a pizza and Dairy Queen cake, but come out of it, break out of ketosis by increasing your carbs. So how does that compare? How do you, how do you flex people?
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that you do that. So I like to teach people to get fat adapted, like I explained, could be Mm -hmm. done in 7 to 14 days. But fat adaptation is different than keto adaptation. Fat adaptation just means you're burning fat instead of sugar, primarily. Keto adaptation means now your brain, your mitochondria, your cells are now using ketones as the primary fuel source. That takes a little bit longer. That takes about 8 to 12 weeks on average, maybe shorter if you're already metabolically flexible. So, in the beginning, I like to be a little bit strict and stay in ketosis for about eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we start flexing. And to your point, it could be a flex day per week. Uh, there's something called the 511 rule in the book where you intentionally plan ahead. Maybe it's a Saturday that you're going to a concert or a sports game or a wedding. And that's the day where you know you're going to have more carbs, some alcohol, whatever it is. But of course, we want to be healthy. But then you intentionally have those carbs and flex out. But the goal is metabolic flexibility and freedom. If you've done the work, you should be able to bounce right back into ketosis within 48 hours. So I like that once a week sort of deal for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, that's great. And so let's say they are, it's a woman. And like you said before, it's a week before her period. Would that week then be her flex week? And would you want her to stay under 50 grams of carbs then through the rest of the month?
1: Yeah, it's a great, great question. I'm glad glad you asked that because I'm sure somebody's wondering that. Even for the woman who has a monthly cycle, I want you to stay in ketosis until you're keto adapted. Mm -hmm. And then at that point, you start practicing the flexing principles, including getting out seven days before your period. So give it a good eight weeks of ketosis and don't follow that rule of flexing out the week before your period. Get keto adapted and then you could start flexing and following those principles.
0: So I know they're thinking right now, well, how do I know if I'm keto adapted? So Mm -hmm. what do you do to test? What is it, what's your recommendations?
1: Great question again, you asked the best question. So the the best, there's three ways to test ketones. There is beta hydroxybutyrate which is found in the bloodstream. So you have the finger prick. There's uh, acetoacetate, which is expelled in the urine. And then there's acetone, which is expelled in your breath. A lot of people go for the urine strips because they're cheap, but they're cheap for a reason. they're not accurate. Um, They might be accurate in the first few days, but once your body is efficient at utilizing those ketones, which is what you want, the acetoacetate will not be expelled in the urine, giving you a false negative. So I'm not a big fan of the urine strips. Now, the breath meters over the years have been hit or miss until one recently came on the market a few years ago called Biosense. I like them. I've done some work with them. If you want to get their meter That's a good uh, meter to use for the breath, but I'm going to focus on blood because blood is the gold standard, beta-hydroxybutyrate. Get a finger prick machine. I personally use the Keto Mojo. Same. Yeah, you you too. Gives you glucose and ketones. And if you hit 0.5 or higher in your ketone readings, you're in ketosis, and you should do that within those seven days. Now, how do you know if you're keto adapted? Unfortunately, there's no way to test unless you go into like a lab and they're doing all these experiments with you. There's no reasonable way to do so but here's how you would know from what i've seen you're like oh my gosh my brain is firing on all cylinders i I feel so creative i feel so resilient it just takes your keto results to another level and it's something you have to kind of feel to experience but just know this if you're in ketosis for eight weeks eight to 12 weeks and you're testing on a regular basis after that time period you're probably keto adapted and you're going to notice those benefits so that would be my recommendation to test in the beginning, and then start to pay attention to those advanced benefits you start to experience about eight weeks after.
0: And you really do know. I mean, the benefits are so huge and there's, you can't explain them to people until you actually experience them. True. And then you, you do, you tune into your body and you know when you are in ketosis or not. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I rarely even test anymore. I have the Keto Mojo. I used it left and right when I first got it. It was so much fun. It's it's fun to get that biofeedback. But after a while, you just, you intuitively know whether you are or aren't.
1: That's right. Me too. I, I don't test that often anymore because you just gain that understanding. That's why I call it the great land of ketosis. You just feel like a rock star. Uh, well, I just love yeah. the way I feel when I'm in ketosis.
0: Yeah, you really do. And then you and I don't get the the, the extra five pounds when we happened to eat that brownie that we really, really wanted. Whereas before, and I'm sure on your journey prior to you losing those 80 pounds, you were probably like that. You probably anything you ate would be, oh, here's a pound, here's five pounds, here's 10 pounds, because your body was just taking that sugar and laying it down because you already just be a big sugar burner correct. instead of a fat burner.
1: Yeah, correct. The ultimate goal is metabolic flexibility. And once you have that, you could enjoy yourself. I mean, what's the point of? living longer if you can't enjoy yourself, if you're kind of restricted. So I'm not a big fan of a restrictive approach and the dogmatic approach. A lot of people teach when it comes to keto or any diet, really. Uh, I've I've learned the hard way. I was a hardcore vegan for a year and a half and I was very dogmatic about it. So I made the decision to not put myself in a box and I don't with keto. I think it's important to be able to enjoy yourself as well.
0: Yeah, I agree. You have to live life. You have to be able to live life but you do want to live it ultimately disease-free. Yes. And he, here's what I always say, and I'm kind of going down different rabbit holes, but it all ties together with, with thyroid, with health, with you know longevity, with weight loss, the whole deal. When So whenever I talk about keto and I get pushed back, whether it's on a podcast or from a patient, I go, keto is the only way of eating. I won't even call it a diet. It is the only way of eating that has, more studies on it, published, you know, PubMed, Google Scholar, look it up, more studies than I have ever seen on any other diet or style of eating that has ever been out there. You will find keto and Alzheimer's disease, as in reduction, neurological conditions, autism, ADD, ADHD, obesity, type 2 diabetes. I mean, I'm sure you could go on and on, but I have never seen something so studied with such positive outcomes. Mm -hmm. And I go, how can this ever get a bad rep? How can anyone ever talk poorly about keto?
1: I agree. I mean, like you said, it's it's keto is technically not even a diet. It's a metabolic process. And it's been around since humans have existed, nothing new about it. And the studies are amazing. Now the studies that show something negative about keto, which they're out there, you got to read the study Mm -hmm. and actually you'll see they ate inflammatory fats. There's a big difference between healthy, stable, clean fats and inflammatory fats. But all the studies that did it the right way, to your point, Amy, show amazing results. I was just doing a, I did a TikTok video the other day and I was looking at a study here on on, um, the BMJ, British Medical Journal. Mm -hmm. And it showed, it showed, I remember the percentage, it showed that So during six years, they took these participants, uh, hundreds of them, and they put them on a low-carbohydrate diet, keto. And 93% of those that were pre-diabetic were able to actually get to healthy A1C levels, 93%. Those that were diabetic, I don't remember the percentage, so I won't share it, but it was a good percentage that were able to reduce their medication or get off of it. Mm all together. And in this study, they had individuals that were over the age of 65 as well. So it doesn't matter what your age is. And the studies are out there. They're on PubMed. They're on all these resources. It's such a powerful tool when you do it the right way.
0: It just is. I'll have to send you um, the study that a colleague of mine and I did and had published. It was on my patient and he was an insulin dependent diabetic with an A1C of 13.9. So it started that he he, had, he knew about the signs and symptoms of diabetes, and he was away for work and was experiencing that, that you know crazy thirst, just wasn't feeling very good, went to the hospital. That's where they diagnosed him. His blood sugar was in the 600s. He was lucky he didn't go into a diabetic coma, A1C at 13.9, insulin dependent. So he leaves the hospital, calls me, becomes my patient. And we just, we put him on a ketogenic diet. And I went through the why. I'm like, there, there's no question. You don't have a choice here. This is what we have to do. Because he's like, I don't want to be on insulin anymore. I do not want to be insulin dependent. I see my dad. I see my my cousins. I do not want to be taking insulin the rest of my life. I said, okay, well, you know, let's let's do this. So we do a ketogenic diet. I'm literally on the phone with him as he's walking through the grocery store, telling him what to choose because he's in another city. And in, I mean, he blew my mind. In six weeks, he was off insulin. His A1c went to an 8.4. In six months, he had reversed his diabetes. His A1c went down to a Mm, 5.4. Crazy. I know.
1: I I believe that. We'll talk about that on my podcast, by the way. I love that. It's amazing. (laughs) So powerful. I've seen Very, very similar stories with my academy students. They get off the, of course, work with their doctor like he did with you, but you get off the, you reduce your medication and eventually you get off of it. It's not a lifelong sentence. I mean, the American Diabetes Association, they're wrong. It's not a progressive lifestyle um, thing you have to deal with for the rest of your life. It makes sense. If it's a lifestyle disease... The treatment should be lifestyle changes, changes right? not medication. There's a huge mismatch there, so I love that. It's powerful, powerful story you just shared.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I, all the all the studies out there, I love anecdotal, not anecdotal, but um case studies mm-hmm. because they are just you know one person or just a couple of people that you can really dig into their specific case without, like you said, the 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 mix of what's kind of mm, muddying up the study. Is it funded by so and so? Is it funded by a drug company that says right. keto doesn't work because they want you on more, you know, trulicity? So,
1: <laughs> yep, yeah, exactly.
0: Now you mentioned poofas, and that's a this is a big one too for people because, as we know, there's dirty keto and there's clean keto, and if you do dirty keto, it might work in the beginning, but it's not going to work long term because, as we know, poofas will increase your insulin. Correct?
1: Yeah. 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 PUFAs are horrible. I mean, they're, I would make the argument that they're worse than sugar mm-hmm. because your body can at least burn off excess sugar with exercise. You can't burn off these polyunsaturated fatty acids, these uh, vegetable oils. They are highly inflammatory. And yeah, it could raise insulin because of the cellular membrane inflammation component that will blunt those insulin and thyroid and other hormone receptor sites, mm-hmm. so they're everywhere. They are ubiqu- ubiquitous. They're at Whole Foods, at your restaurant, they're on a keto-friendly uh, packages. We got to read the ingredients because uh, I've read studies that show weeks to months of inflammation after just one meal of these poofas. They are terrible. The reason they're so bad is because they have these double bonds that are closely connected to each other, which creates attracts a lot of oxygen, and that just means it creates a lot of Oxidation and inflammation, and then it, the body cannot use it as an energy source. The mitochondria cannot burn it as an energy source. Dr. Kate Shanahan estimated that um, at least thirty to forty percent of the total calories from a standard American comes from PUFAs. I would estimate it's even higher with those doing keto because obviously you're eating more fats. They are awful. Um, so I'm going to give a list of the vegetable oils. It's canola oil, mm-hmm. corn oil cottonseed oil, sunflower oil, soybean oil, safflower oil, grapeseed oil, and rice bran oil. Those are highly unstable, highly inflammatory, and will create hormone issues, thyroid issues, type 2 diabetes, insulin resistance, you name it. You name the disease, chances are it's connected to these vegetable oils. So instead, we want stable, saturated, and monounsaturated fats like the ones mentioned in the two 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 rule, olive yep. oil, avocado oil, even grass-fed beef, eggs, etc. We want stable saturated fats that support the cells. hmm
0: Yeah. No, Dr. Kate Shanahan's awesome when she talks about poofas. She just lays it out there. It's so beautiful. Poofas go poof. That's what she says. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. And and that's a shame. You know what? You brought up something I want to mention again and reiterate. Look at the packaging because I always say, okay, when you're going gluten-free, right now we know there are a million and one different gluten-free products out there, but you could pick one up. Again, it can be loaded with sugar. It could have tapioca starch. It could have brown rice flour in it, potato starch flour. So still very, very high in carbs, still very inflammatory, still going to put on weight. Now we have this whole line of keto products. So everyone thinks that if it says keto on it, it must be okay, right? <laughs> what are your thoughts on those?
1: No, I mean you said it, it's so true. Keto friendly doesn't mean health friendly. there's it right. not it's not synonymous. A lot of these companies now, like they did with the gluten- free movement, have adopted, the keto movement, and they use it to their advantage by creating all these keto-friendly products that are not healthy. They're really not. I mean, you could go to McDonald's and get a Big Mac without the bun and say you're doing keto, which you're right. You are doing keto, but it's not a healthy approach to keto. So when we talk about it here, we're talking about healthy, clean keto. That's going to be important because I said it earlier, they're worse than sugar. I'd rather you eat a standard American diet than these poofas. granted if you don't I mean a standard American diet without poofas might be better it is better than a keto diet with poofas, and that's coming from a keto guy okay that's,
0: yeah <laughs> that's big
1: yeah. that is
0: really big yeah
1: it's so, the truth they're so inflammatory they will they will create disease in your body eventually
0: mm-hmm. yep
1: so PUFAs then sugar yeah yep exactly
0: well, Ben, you have given us just so much, I, I mean, just jaw-dropping, amazing information. If, if people don't take this and make some changes, like you said in the beginning, those simple things to tally up your carbs, see where you're at. I'm with you. I like 50 or below. You don't have to go into the 10 grams of carbs per day, camp. I mean, you could be in ketosis under 50, right?
1: Yeah, most people will get there under 50, yeah. absolutely.
0: Totally doable. So, if people are listening, they're like, love this guy, just like I do. Where can they find you? Where can they work with you?
1: I would recommend my book. Uh, it's, it has my four pillars in there. I go really in depth into keto, whether you are a beginner or somebody who's advanced. I talk about carnivore, keto flexing strategies. Uh, there's also an entire chapter on how to do keto and fasting for women, chapter 12, whether you're a cycling woman or a postmenopausal woman. So I would love for you to get the book. If you're um, enjoying this information, it's ketoflexbook.com. And then, uh, of course, I have my Keto Camp podcast. I'm going to interview Amy very soon on it. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, we have over 300 episodes. And then lastly, our YouTube channel, which is Keto Camp, Camp with K on YouTube. Uh, We have a really fun YouTube channel.
0: That's awesome. We will put all the links in the show notes. So thank you. That is beautiful. Well, Ben, thank you so much for your knowledge and your time today. I I greatly appreciate it. I know my listeners appreciate it. And we'll have you back on for sure because I want to dive into sleep and detox and all that other stuff that we just didn't get a chance to go over today.
1: I would love to come back. I love what you're doing. Thank you for having me on your show. And I can't wait to have you on my show in just a few days. Thank you so much, Ben. Thanks, Amy.